Well, this pandemic has done something to our understanding and our perspective on holy space. It's actually done a couple of things to our perspective and understanding on holy space and on what we understand about what spaces and places and where the spaces and places are that we can connect with God. And in one sense, it has expanded our understanding of that. So we have this expanded understanding that we can we can connect with and experience God in so many places and and spaces and that's good that's biblical and at the same time it has also renewed our appreciation and our sense that there are certain spaces and places perhaps like this one where our experience with the presence of God is often especially special which is also biblical so I'm going to reflect on the, the former a little bit now, and then a little bit more. I'm going to reflect on the latter as a, as a tool and a resource that I think we can use in the days ahead for our own renewal. You remember last week and in previous weeks, we talked a little bit about that story from John chapter 4 where Jesus talks with the woman at the well. And it's that conversation where Jesus indicates to her that when we embrace Christ... When we lean into that relationship with Jesus, when we place faith in Him, He can cause something to happen where a well of living water will spring up from our soul, satiating our soul again and again and again so that we will not thirst again. And we can connect with God in this way through Christ anywhere, at any time, and in any place. And that is a beautiful, beautiful reality. In fact, Jesus expands on this a little bit more later in the conversation when she asks him, well, Rabbi, where do you think we could best connect with God? Where do you think we could best worship? On that mountain or on this mountain? And Jesus says, well, if I'm only given a couple of choices, I guess I'd go with over there. And yet, what I want to tell you is that a reality is coming and now already is here when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. For these are the kinds of worshipers God is seeking, those who will worship God in spirit and in truth, anywhere and and everywhere. And this is an idea that's actually as old or even older than the Bible itself. But, but, But even still, the people of God need to be reminded of it again and again and again. And this is really good news, that we can connect with God anywhere and everywhere, but we often forget this, which is strange for a people who, when we read their story, were often nomadic. God found them again and again on the move. God followed them on the move. God guided them on the move. But, or and, there was also this, this tension, and we feel it too, God is everywhere, and this is something that is apparent to us, not just because we believe it, but because we have experienced it. We've connected with God and experienced God in so many places and in so many spaces and in so many ways. So we know this, but but there are also certain spaces, buildings, temples, churches, creeks, Pastors, 
holy sites, maybe other places that are particular for you, even homes, certain places you've been, monuments you've been to, things like that, where it seems like the presence of God is especially rich. And sometimes, even through habit, we can experience God in those spaces, and it's almost like we begin to believe it's only in those spaces that we can really encounter God or be encountered by God in a particular way. And so then God needs to kind of shake us out of that. This happens in the Bible, too. It happened in one of the greatest crises of faith in Scripture, the exile. During the Babylonian exile, you may remember the people were taken from their land and their temple and their city. And one of the great fears they had when they were taken by these enemy people from their land and their temple and their city was that when they were taken away from those spaces and places, that they were also being taken away from God. Exiled not only from their land, but exiled also from God. But as they found, this wasn't the case. In fact, the exile, this terrible season in their history, actually served to expand their understanding of who God is and where God is. So that in another land, in another place where they weren't in power and they didn't get to do whatever they wanted to do whenever they they wanted to do it, they began to understand that God was there too. That this is the God who is. That this is the God that as Paul says in Acts 17, is the one whom we live and move and have our being. And I think many of us may have been reminded of that in practical and actual ways in our own lives personally over the past 18 or 19 months. There are those places and spaces where we strongly identify in our lives with being with God. We, we know God is everywhere, but there are spaces where we, we feel like this is how we connect with God in that way, in that special way. And, but then we were sent into exile, in a way. And in exile, we discovered by necessity that there are other spaces and places where we can connect with God in the ways We long and need to connect with God. And this is a beautiful thing. It's a sacred thing. It's a holy thing, a holy gift, something that we need to lean into more and more and more if we're going to continue to enrich and renew our relationship with God in the days ahead, which is something that we know we're longing for. Last week I used surfing as a kind of metaphor for what we're trying to do in this particular series this fall. We talked about how there are a lot of things that surfers learn from the time they're beginners until the time they get up on that board and learning how to navigate those waves and and how to surf well. But one of the most important things that they have to learn is how to get into position and how to posture themselves to even catch the wave in the first place. And that's that's what we're talking about in this series. Are there ways when we can where we could get ourselves into position to posture ourselves to catch the wave of God's presence, God's renewal, God's God's joy. One of the ways we do that with the God who is everywhere is we cultivate what's called habitual presence. Paying attention. 
An ability to notice and to, to wait for and to sit and see God wherever God is. This is the skill that I think Moses seemed to have instinctively. We see it in Exodus 3 when he's, he's out in the desert and he has that encounter with the burning bush, you remember. We've talked about this a couple of times. One of the most interesting things about that encounter is that Moses approached the bush of God's burning presence, not because it was burning, but because he was curious enough and stayed there long enough and paid attention long enough to notice that it wasn't burning up. We've got to cultivate this sense of paying attention and looking for God's presence in our lives as well. And there are many practices and prayers that can help us with this. One uh, we learned together a long time ago, and it's simply called what I'll call it is here. You may remember this. That in any place where you are, because God is in every place that you are, if you can find some quiet moments, you can sit in those moments and cultivate a sense of God's presence by simply saying, here I am, God. And here you are, God. Here we are together. Who am I, God? Who are you, God? Who are we together? Very simple invocation that acknowledges God's presence and draws our attention to that presence. Here I am, God. Here you are, God. Here we are together. Who am I, God? Who are you, God? Who are we together? It, it, it's an invocation that helps us give our attention to the God who is everywhere. The exile of this pandemic has expanded our sense and our awareness of the everywhereness of God, and we need to lean into this. And also, this pandemic has also renewed our appreciation for those spaces and, and places that can actually prompt our awareness of God's presence. And this is also true. And this is what I want us to spend a little bit more time on this morning because I think, I think this could be a resource for catching those waves. For learning to look and position yourself and posture yourself in your daily life for catching the wave of God's renewal and the wave of God's presence. Yes, God is everywhere. And also... There are spaces and places on our planet where it seems like God is more there. And you might say this as well. Maybe you've experienced this. Have you experienced in your life a moment, maybe in your past, that you can begin to conjure up where you would say, I walked into that moment and it was like God was there in a way that God is not usually there? Are there experiences you've had in the midst of activities or certain places? And, 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 and it could be a number of different kinds of experiences where you walked into that experience and it was God encountered you there in a way that the God who is everywhere doesn't seem to encounter, encounter you in other places. This is biblical too, so we want to pay attention to this. In fact, the story we heard a moment ago from 1 Samuel 7 
is one of the many places in Scripture that reflects this reality and this practice. We chose this story in particular because it is the one that inspired the song we're going to hear later in the service that we sing so often, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We're going to use that song to prompt us in another moment of worship later. In the story, the Israelites experience God, you heard, in a particular way, in a particular place. And because they experience God in that particular way, in that particular place, they decide to put a stone there, a stone of remembrance, a memorial stone. It's called an Ebenezer stone. It's like one of these, or, or maybe this Karen here that is, that is stacked up, and you see an image of that in your worship guide. And they put that Ebenezer stone, and the word Ebenezer means stone of help, to remind them that God helped them in a particular way there. Now, the way that God helped them in that particular place was to be victorious in battle. So we could have a whole other sermon about that whole scenario and what that means or doesn't mean. But right now, we just want to pay attention to this particular moment where God encounters them in a particular way and they set up this stone to remind them of this encounter in this place. We see this in other places in Scripture as well. You may remember that story in the Old Testament where Jacob lays his head down on a stone and he goes to sleep. In the midst of his sleeping, he has this vision of a stairway to heaven. I wonder if the song was playing. He has the vision, right? And then after all of that, he wakes up from that place and he says, surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. And he takes that stone and he sets it up as a memorial stone there to signify this was the place in time and space where that encounter happened. There's something special about this place and this space. Another time it happens, Joshua is leading the people across the Jordan and it's similar to the Red Sea. The Jordan parts and they're they're going into this this holy space and after that they set up again it's like this they set up a stack of stones to remind them that God did a miracle there and encountered them there in a particular and in a special way we see this again in first Samuel Ebenezer stone of help which is interesting and I find it interesting for the reasons I've mentioned but but also one that, that I haven't mentioned that I actually didn't notice until I was studying this particular passage this week. And, and it may be relevant for you as we think about the relevance of particular holy spaces in your own life and in your own experience. See, if you turn back just a few pages in Scripture, you'll notice that they had just fought another battle with the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And, and they fought that battle in a place called Ebenezer, Stone of Help. Now, it's possible that these two places, where they fought in chapter 4 and where they fought in chapter 7, were the same place, but not probable. It's, it, most commentators look at that, probably two different spaces, right? So they had just fought and been defeated in another place, in another piece of land that was known as God Helps. So so at some point in history, somebody else was in that space, 
And they encountered God in a particular way and God helped them in a particular way and they set up this stone and they named this land. This is the place where God helps God's people. And then these people come to that same place and they are completely defeated. God is completely not with them in their perspective. Until later they, they have this time of repentance and prayer and they go back into another space and they're victorious in battle and they sense God with them and they say, now this is the place of God's help for us. And I name that for you because I want you to start thinking about particular places in your story, spaces and places in your story, in your life, in your spiritual journey, where you have uniquely encountered and experienced God. Because I think it's important that we each take an inventory of that in our own lives. And here's why. You've heard me say before that in Celtic Christian spirituality, they talk about thin places, right? And thin places are, they believe, those spaces in heaven and earth where the veil between heaven and earth is so sheer you can almost pass through it. The, the, the belief is why people go on pilgrimage. They, they go on pilgrimage to find these sites, and this is why as a part of my sabbatical that I was supposed to be on right now, but we've postponed a year, um, I'm going to Israel and Greece to be in some of these places where th there are these holy places where people have experienced God in, in incredible ways. Pilgrim after pilgrim have said, this is true. But here's what I want to say to you about that also in your relationship with God. It may not be true for you. A place that's holy for one person may not be holy for another person in that particular way. I've experienced this too. I remember several years ago I went, you may remember this too, um, to England, Scotland and went to the holy island of Lindisfarne. Widely considered a thin space in Celtic Christian spirituality. There's this land bridge there that's there part of the day and other parts of the day it's submerged in water and, and pilgrims for, for all, all across time have said, this is, a, this is a holy space. This is one of those sheer places. The veil between earth and heaven is quite thin here. And what I'll say about that is I had a nice time there. And, I, and it was a spiritual experience in some ways, but also I went expecting it to be like I had entered into the Holy of Holies and just knocked down by the presence of God. That's not what I experienced in that place. It wasn't like that for me. But then a few years later, I was in Assisi, as in St. Francis of Assisi, and there's this little chapel that St. Francis built with his own hands. And I've shared this with you before, too. And I, I, I went to that chapel. And when I crossed, I wasn't expecting this at all. When I crossed the threshold into that space, it was, it was like, it was thick. And it, it was one of those moments where it was like, surely the Lord is in this place. Something's going on here. Something, something is going on here. And I crossed back over the threshold and left, and that feeling 
dissipated almost immediately. I went back in and it was there again. Now other people were passing in and out at the same time. I'm not sure they were having the same experience. But there was something going on. There was something going on for me in that place. And so what I want to say to you about this is, God is everywhere, and there are particular places and spaces on this planet that will be particularly thin for you for a variety of reasons. And you've experienced some of these places before. If you have, I want you to take note of that. In fact, that's why we put that that little insert into the worship guide with the picture of the Karen, the stones on the back. We'll do this later more too, but so that you can begin as those places pop up in your mind to just write them down or draw a picture, whatever's helpful for you, and begin to take inventory of those places because I think, I suspect it's possible that if you begin to look at those things you more deeply, it may tell you something about you and your own wiring that could help you get into position to experience more moments like that in the future. Where were those places from your past that you were, for one reason or another, knocked over by the presence of God? Inventory those. Write them down on a piece of paper could be a sign of how God has wired you up. And I also want you to inventory another similar kind of space. So within that category, what I've just mentioned are places that you stumble into the place, like I did that chapel, and it, there's something about it, you don't know what it is. Is it God? Is it you? Is it both? Something holy is happening. Also, there are other places like this that become this way, not because we've stumbled into them in that moment, but because we continue to stumble into them and it kind of creates that kind of space. It thins out in a way that it becomes that kind of space for us. Right now, this is kind of an illustration of that, right now if you were to go into my backyard, you would see something there that wasn't there two or three years ago. And that is because two or three years ago we didn't have dogs, or at least these two dogs in particular. And this is what I mean. If you go into my yard right now, there are trails where there is no grass. And they are in particular places. Christy's been wanting to, hey, let's lay some new seed down. And I'm like, what is the point? They're going to keep tracking on these paths. And what happens, this is how a lot of the original roads happen, right? Because it's where the animals went. What happens when the animals go over the path again and again, go out this door, run to this door, they, do their, they have their thing. It creates a path. It creates a rut. No grass is growing there. We've got a new pathway. And you know, I think our spiritual lives are like this too. Sometimes when we return to the same space again and again and again, maybe the first time we went to that space, there was something about it, but over time, a holy rut is formed in that space, and sometimes we don't even realize it. This room is like that. 
Okay? Now, rooms like this, and then even more so cathedrals, like in Europe and places, are designed to draw our attention to the holy. So if you come into a space that's created like this, or, or even some of those architecture, uh, the, the designs of those cathedrals in France and places like that, when you walk in, it's supposed to draw your attention to the holy. Do something in you to prompt that. Okay, holy space. And also, I think when you return to it again and again and again, like we have this space, it becomes something even holier for us. We kind of take it for granted until we've had to fast from it, as we did for well over a year. And the evidence of that in our own experience is in the conversations I've had with so many of you about that first Sunday back in the middle of June. Tears that you didn't expect. A movement, a feeling, a sense of God's presence that maybe was richer than the time you'd been in there before. Because a holy rut had been formed in this space and made it, even though God is everywhere, a bit thin. So it's important for us to recognize those spaces too. Here's what I want us to do. During our response song, I want you to take that piece of paper, and either through creating images or, or, or writing these down, taking an inventory, I want you to use that time to name some of those kinds of spaces that do that for you. Because, because as I'm saying, here's what I think. Here, here's just, just a hunch. I think there's something about the way you're wired up that when you enter into that kind of space, maybe not that particular space, but that kind of space, there's something that connects with your wiring in that space that opens you up to the presence of holy God in a way that doesn't happen in other spaces. And so if you, if you begin to recognize and know that about yourself, it's not that it, it's always true, it may point you to the kinds of spaces in physical reality, that if you put yourself in those spaces, you're posturing yourself to experience the presence of God. And we need that always. And we need the renewal that that can bring into our heart and soul and life right now. So what are those spaces from your childhood? What are those spaces in nature? What are those spaces in architecture? What happens? What are, the, what are the activities? Is it music? Is it something else? What is it that creates those holy moments for you? It can help you posture yourself to experience in a unique and personal way the presence of holy God. We think about that, that now as we are guided into this next moment of worship by this music. And by these words that have risen from us, for us, from 1 Samuel chapter 7.